But Thanksgiving isn't a gathering that happens at church. It isn't a holiday that just happens at our homes with our family. It is our holy response to God. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. Our 2019 theme is making disciples as we help our community know God, become family, and impact the world. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Morning, church. Good to see you out before Thanksgiving. Turn to your neighbors, front, back, side, left, right. Say, I'm thankful for you. All the way around the room, do your 360. All y'all, all y'all, that's good. All right, we are going to conclude our Thanksgiving sermon series. Month of October, we focused on entering his courts with praise. But then we looked at this month, entering his gate with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving isn't supposed to be one day a year. It isn't supposed to be a holiday. It's supposed to be every day that we live in Jesus. You're going to be thankful for my beautiful voice that I get to share with you today. Sorry about the raspy. I've been sick this past week, and I appreciate all the prayers going on. We'll see how far we get today. Last Sunday night, we got to gather right here in this place, and it was an incredible sight as we spent early Thanksgiving together as the family of God here at PCBC. You can see a couple of pictures as it was packed out. If you weren't able to be a part of it, I hope you will be in the years to come. But Thanksgiving isn't a gathering that happens at church. It isn't a holiday that just happens at our homes with our family. It is our holy response to God. I'm going to put several verses up. You don't have to turn there yet this morning, but I'm just going to go back, hit some of the verses we covered, look at all the verses that speak to the heart of thanksgiving. It's throughout all of Scripture. First Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 8 says, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. You see, thanksgiving is our response to what God has done in our life. It's living our story that other people get to look in on and other people are observing, and they see us declare what God has done in our life. It is making known his deeds among the people we know, the people who are looking in on our story. Psalm chapter 9, verse 1 says, I will give thanks to the Lord, not with just my lips, but he says, with all my heart. Thanksgiving is more of a heart issue than it is just declaring we're thankful. And it is important to speak it with our lips, but it better come from the heart. Psalm 30, verse 12 says, My soul may sing praise to you and not be silent, O Lord my God. I will give thanks to you forever. We learned last Sunday one of the ways we can give thanks is not just with our lips and our heart, but putting that in the form of a new song. That that new song is just simply putting down on paper and then living out before other people what God has done in our life. And I hope you've had an opportunity to do that. One of our members from the first hour, Vaughn, said this, and she sent it to me this week. Here was her song. She said, every day, Lord, I see your hand in the lives around me. And every day, Lord, I see your hand in my life. Someone's daughter goes missing, and you show us where she can be found. Some wedge is driven between husband and wife, and with your mighty hand, the wedge is removed. While the sailing isn't smooth, but your hand on the till is firm, for the hand on the till controls the winds and the waves. 
She was giving a new song as she reflects on how God has taken her through the storms of life and what that means to her this very day. Uh, this audience, a little bit more technologically savvy, can go to our homepage, go to resources, click on podcast, go back to last Throwback Thursday, and you can see our very own Sean E. Sean. Yeah, yeah, Sean Keels has revealed now that he is a renowned rapper. And you can go. He has written a new song. I didn't play it for you because it will semi-bless you. But if you want to be semi-blessed, go look at it. It really is pretty cool. He did it to the tune of Amazing Grace. An old song with some new lyrics. What a beautiful testimony of what a new song can look like. Other verses. Romans chapter 1 verse 21 says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God, watch this, or give him thanks. So he talks about those who claim to be God people, those who had a religion but no relationship with God. One of the things he points to is their lip service to God. But then he says, but they also, as they were living a lie, you see it in the lack of giving thanks, a heart of thanksgiving. I could go on and on. I could show you countless scriptures that speak to giving thanks. And I don't think I need to do much more to convince us that scripture talks about giving thanks to God. But what I wanted to do, especially in light of this day in the life of our church, is return to the last part of Thanksgiving, and that is being thankful in a life of giving. Now, I don't want you to turn off the sermon and say, uh-oh, here comes a Baptist preacher talking about giving. Uh, that's not going to be one of those sermons. I am going to take you into scripture and see what a thankful heart looks like, how it's expressed, not just with our lips, not just with our heart, but in all those things combined, a life of cheerful giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Turn there this morning. That's where we'll be for part of the sermon. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. The Apostle Paul draws an analogy that lots of people in that day could understand. They were mainly farmers. Uh, they dealt with uh, growing crops to feed their families, and that was basically their economy. And he talks about planting seeds and reaping a harvest. He says, I say to those that if you sow sparingly, to sow seeds means to plant seeds. He says, think about this. This just makes sense. If I only plant a few seeds and expect a huge harvest, I'm crazy. You see, the harvest is determined by what's planted. If I plant just a few seeds, well, let's say they're apple seeds, I'm not going to get oranges. I'm going to get apples. It's determined by the seeds that are planted. But not only is the result apples in this case, the number of apples are determined by the faithful sowing of the seed. Verse 7. He then goes on to say, But each one must do just as he is purposed in his heart, not grudgingly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. When we take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it talks about a thankful heart. It talks about a person who wants to invest because their heart has been changed by God, just like you saw in baptism. As Kylie was lowered down, it was a picture of the, the death of Christ. He was buried in a tomb. Being raised to a new life is not only what happened in Jesus, but what Jesus does in us. We were dead in our sin. Christ comes to live within us, gives us a new heart, and now we're alive with Christ. And in that new heart comes a new response to life. You notice that 
Our kids have no problems putting together a wish list for Christmas. Have you noticed this? I'll never forget one Christmas we were doing our spiritual gifts. I may have told this story in the past. And we, on Christmas Eve, will sit all of our kids around the table, and now our grandkids. And we would give a spiritual gift first, and then we'd exchange gifts on Christmas Day. But we wanted to start the season focused on spiritual things, and so there was always a spiritual gift. One year, Cammie came up with a great idea. She said, let's give the kids money, and they've got to take that. Instead of it being a gift for them, they've got to figure out a way to bless somebody. Boy, it sounded like a great idea on paper. And then we had that Christmas Eve candlelight around our table. Kids opened up the gifts, got all excited. Oh, got some money. Okay, guys, here's the spiritual lesson. You're going to find somebody and you're going to bless them. Somebody who's hurting, somebody who has a need, and you're going to get to give that to somebody who really needs it. They tried to convince us they were the person that really needed it the most. And, and what was supposed to be this warm, fuzzy, Hallmark movie moment bombed like a straw dog, man. It was not all that we expected it to be. But we look at the ultimate giver. The ultimate giver is not the person who gives the most out of this body of believers. It is the Lord God himself. For God so loved who? You. Loved you. You are a part of this world. You are part of those who God created. God loved each and every one of you, including me, so much. God so loved you, he gave. He gave his only begotten son. And Jesus so loved you, he laid down his life. He is our example. As you look on the screen, you see how God loves. You see, God gives lovingly. That's John 3.16 we just quoted. And God gives freely. Once you understand, you don't earn God's love. You might have to earn mom and dad's love. You might have to earn the boss's love. You might have to earn a teacher's love. The Bible says the wages of our sin is death. That's what we deserve, separation from the holiness of God. But the gift of God is eternal life. You see, eternal life isn't something we can pay for. It isn't something we can earn. It isn't something that you perform for and say, God, look at all these good things. Outweigh my bad. And so now, God, I know you love me. No, it's a gift. It is freely given. God gives constantly. He does not withhold. He doesn't just give every once in a while. Every day I wake up, God has given me something new and something fresh. He gives sacrificially and he gives willingly. And while thanksgiving is a time for giving thanks, it's also a great time to reflect on the biblical principle of thanksgiving. I want to take you through some principles of God's word. I want you to see it at play. And this isn't, we're not going to look at an hour of worship in the synagogue or in a temple. It's not going to be a gathering of people and they start passing plates. It's going to be in a person's home. Celebrating Thanksgiving. Let me take you there. Mark chapter 14. Go to Mark chapter 14 and verse 1. The scripture says that it was a holiday season for the Jews. It wasn't what we know as our Thanksgiving. But it was a time that people came together and celebrated all the things God had done in their past. It was called Passover. It was a time that they were to do annually, just like we do annually in November, they were to come and they were to give God thanks for all he had done in their past. 
Declaring that God had delivered them from the bondage of Pharaoh in Egypt and God had made them a free people. It was now the Passover and unleavened bread was two days off. The chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to seize Jesus by stealth and to kill him. Now who was this? These were chief priests and scribes. These were spiritual leaders of religious people. I want you to see the fruit of their life. They weren't living a heart of thanksgiving. In their hearts, they were seeking a way to murder and take the life of another person. That's the fruit of religion. That's not the fruit of one who has a relationship with God. Anybody can be religious. Anybody can be ungrateful. Anybody can have a cold heart. And we see it here in the chief priests and the scribes. And they were saying to each other, we can't do it during the festival lest there be a riot of the people. As we look in on this story in Jerusalem, uh, people who had been dispersed through persecution and through other means lived in other parts of the world and they would always come home. They would always come back to the uh, capital of their religion, Jerusalem, at the time of Passover. The town was filled more people than any other day of the year now in this area, especially in Jerusalem. They have a huge crowd and they deduce, we can't do anything with this Jesus right now unless he receives more supporters. But, verse 3, while Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper and reclining at the table, there came a woman with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume of pure nard. Uh, ladies in the congregation, anybody asking for pure nard at Christmas this holiday season? Uh, it may not be on your Christmas list, but it was a form of very costly perfume in that day. It was rare, it was expensive, and it was fragrant. Every woman would have loved to have had this perfume of pure nard. Now, the guys in the room, we hear lard. It wasn't pure lard, it was pure nard, all right? Not that it would have made a difference for guys understanding girls' perfume. Picture the scene. Jesus and the disciples are hanging out, having a time of thanksgiving. Not the holiday we celebrate, but they're there in Simon the leper's home. Now, I want you to think about that. They're hanging out with Simon the leper. Now, if you know anything about those who had leprosy in those days, if you had leprosy, you were considered unclean, and you were not allowed to be around people because you would spread the leprosy. Apparently, Simon has been healed by Jesus. The leprosy has been removed. He's now home with his family. He's celebrating, and as we look in on this Thanksgiving, he has gathered his family and his friends together with the one who's changed his life. You think he was thankful? I guarantee you he was thankful. And see, every person in this room was a spiritual leper. Every one of us in this room had the leprosy of sin in our life. We were born and we have all sinned. We have all become spiritual lepers. That leprosy left us on the outside, not being able to have a relationship with the Holy God because the definition of holiness is without sin. If I die and I take that out into eternity, I'd be bringing sin into heaven. It's impossible. That's the dilemma. I thought church membership would take that away. I thought being a good guy uh, would make a difference. Only Jesus could take that away. Jesus took that away in the life of Simon. And so now they're gathered there having a time of thanksgiving. They called it Passover. Simon was giving thanksgiving. Look at verse 4. 
as she took this alabaster vial of perfume, she broke the vial, she poured it over his head. And verse 4 says, there were those in the room who indignantly remarked to one another, why has this perfume been wasted? As you look in this room, you find two heartbeats. As I look out in this room, I see two heartbeats. One heartbeat is like Simon the leper, or in this case, this woman. Now, it doesn't give her name in the Gospel of Mark, because Mark didn't want us to focus on the woman. He wanted us to focus on her worship. Later on, in the Gospel of John, John would reveal that this was Mary, the sister of Lazarus. Don't get it confused with Luke chapter 6 where there's another Mary who also anointed Jesus. Looks just like this, but it was in a different town. It was a different Mary, Mary Magdalene, who was a harlot and certainly had a reason to worship God for how he had changed her life. But this Mary, with a different Simon, is in his house, but still has the same heart of thanksgiving. God didn't transform her from being a harlot. But God had radically impacted her life and her family. It was Jesus who raised her brother from the dead. She'd seen it with her own eyes. And now as he is here for Passover, just a few days from his death, she comes to do what nobody else in the room was doing except maybe Simon, and that was worship him with thanksgiving. So she takes something very valuable, something very costly, and she takes this alabaster vial and she breaks it. She didn't just pour it. She just didn't give a little thanksgiving. No, she broke the jar, symbolizing that it would never be hers and never could be used on anyone but Jesus. She gave it all. It's an act of great worship and an act of thanksgiving. Well, look at the response of other hearts in the room. There's Simon and there's Mary. But then there were a bunch of others in the room, including some of Jesus' disciples. And it says they started talking in their spirituality, and they judged this act of worship. And they said, what a waste. What a waste. You see, here they were on the outside looking like disciples. Here they were looking like spiritual people. Oh, they're even going to spiritualize it and say, we could have collected all that. It's worth 300 denarii. That was the equivalent of a year's wages. That's a pretty big gift. At the end of this service, we're going to be taking up our best gift to launch this next last third year of giving towards our next steps, children's building. You think anybody's given a year's salary? Not saying they should. I'm saying that's what she did. And they said, what a waste. We could have, we could have sold that, and we could have helped a bunch of people with it. Judas was one of the ones who would declare that. Judas wasn't trying to help people. Judas wanted a bigger treasury so he could keep skimming off the top. And here they are in the room, these heartbeats, different from Simon and different from Mary's. They look spiritual. They look like they're concerned about the poor. But they didn't have a heart of thanksgiving. Cold hearts give out criticism and judgment. Cold hearts put on plastic Christianity but real Christianity gives thanks through giving. Verse 7, Jesus rebuked them and said, let her alone. Why do you bother her? She has done, watch this, 
She has done a good deed to me. You see, what others saw as wasted, Jesus saw it as worship. He saw her thanksgiving not wasted, but as an act of worship unto him. He reminded him in verse 7, he says, For the poor you always have with you, and whatever you wish, you can do them good, or whenever you wish. But you don't always have me. She has done what she could. She's anointed my body beforehand for the burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, that also which this woman has done shall be spoken of in memory of her. Notice he didn't say, we would all remember Mary. No. He said, what she has done. What she has done will be a reminder because we need those reminders. We need the reminders. We love to receive We struggle with giving. The flesh wants, the spirit gives. And I'm not trying to build a big offering this morning. This isn't one of those sermons. This isn't that. This had nothing. You don't see an offering plate here. You don't see a giving campaign here. You see a woman who simply loved Jesus and she gave him her best. Worship. Thanksgiving is worship. It's our response to what God has done in our life. And so when we take a look at Mary's story, When we see her example of thanksgiving, we see a couple things. Number one, she publicly displayed her love for Jesus. She didn't publicly say, hey guys, I'm the biggest donor to Jesus' ministry. She wasn't trying to get attention in that way. She simply didn't care what other people saw, what other people thought. She publicly wanted to say, I love Jesus. And so she gives this gift, this alabaster vial of perfume. Now, if you were to look at the background, the biblical background of this unique perfume called nard, it was a gift that was mainly exchanged with kings. It was not a common gift, obviously. It was a gift that only kings normally received and could afford. And in that moment, in that public display of worship, as she gave thanks in her giving, she was acknowledging publicly, Jesus is my king. She wasn't declaring he's a good teacher. She wasn't declaring he's a prophet. She wasn't declaring this is my best friend Jesus. Oh, by the way, who raised my brother from the dead. Ha, 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 I'm his favorite. She wasn't declaring that. She was declaring, no, This before you is my king. That's what believer baptism is all about. Baptism doesn't save anybody. But Jesus, Jesus requires that to be our first step of obedience. To be that way of publicly declaring, he is king and I am not. And Kami and I said I do to one another, entered into relationship. We put on rings, symbols of the commitment we had made to one another. That's what you just saw in the baptistry in this very hour. And you saw a young lady declare before you publicly, I'm no longer the queen of my life. Jesus is my king. That's what Mary was doing this day, and that's what we do when we give. When we give of our time, when we give to other people in need, when we give back to Jesus as our act of worship. So we look in in her story, we see it was very public. 
It was very costly. It was very extravagant. It was all about Christ and not about her. It was her act of worship. Remember I told you there was another heartbeat in the room? That's the heart of thanksgiving. But look at the opposite of that. You find a guy named Judas, verse 10. Go ahead and look at verse 10. It says, and there was Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve. After this, what he would consider debacle, this waste of time and waste of resources, he would leave in disgust. And he would approach the chief priest. Who are those chief priests? We read about them earlier in the story. The ones that wanted to take the life of Jesus. So here's one of Jesus' own disciples partnering up with the enemy. He has his meeting with the chief priests. He had an agenda. He was going to betray Jesus to them. They were glad when they heard this, and they promised to give him some money. How much money would he sell out for? How much money do you think it would take to get one of Jesus' own disciples to betray him? Well, it ought to be a lot more than an alabaster vial of perfume, don't you think? That ought to be a pretty big price tag. Don't you think? He's just watched 300 denarii worth poured out on Jesus. How much was he willing to sell his soul for? A third of the price. 30 pieces of silver. If you do the math with the economy of that day, 30 pieces of silver would be the equivalent of of 100 denarii. One third of what Mary poured out on Jesus. One third is all he needed to receive because he wasn't living the heart of thanksgiving. Same Jesus, same room, two different heartbeats. Same room, group of people, two different responses to what God has done by giving us life and what God has done by sending his son so we could have abundant life and eternal life. There are those who will receive a new heart. There are those who will allow him to be king and they will live with hearts of thanksgiving. And then there are those who just claim to be disciples, those who claim to be followers of Jesus, and all they have is religious experiences and show up for religious things, but have never had their heart changed. Go back to verse 6, watch this. But Jesus said to that crowd, leave her alone. Don't bother her. Why? Because her thanksgiving was not wasted. Look at what Jesus said. What she has done was a good deed to me. Now, we're going to take a practical step. Those who are members of this body of believers, we made a commitment two years ago to reach out to the next generation and make sure that we had the capacity to continue to reach young families, their children, and their preschoolers. That's on us. That's a commitment God called us to take. That's a next step. So for us, one way we get to give thankfully and cheerfully is through next steps. And we've challenged this church to this day bring their very best first gift to launch the last 12 months of this campaign. That's for the church. If you're visiting here today, we're glad you're here, but I hope you walk away with an understanding of what it means to be a thanksgiver. But every day you wake up, there is an opportunity to do a good deed unto the Lord. The way you love on somebody, the way you give your life away, 
the way people see the work of God in your life. Let's pray about it. Every head bowed and every eye closed. The giving is not about an offering plate. The giving is not about dollars. The giving is a life of surrender that gives thanks by giving back to God everything. And I don't know what that looks like for you. It could be that you're here today and your act of thanksgiving would be to give your life to Christ. You see, you may be like a Judas or a chief priest. You may be very familiar with the name of God and you may have grown up in a church. You may be familiar with all these things we talked about today, but you have never given your life to Christ. Then today, the love of God is for you. The love of God is a gift. And just like any other gift, it's not something you pay for, somebody else pays for it. In this case, Jesus did. How did he pay for it? with his life he gave his life on a cross to pay the penalty you and I couldn't pay if we had paid it with our life we would have spent eternity dead Jesus became our death so that we could have life how do we get life by receiving the gift of God's love how do I receive that gift just like any other gift it's offered to you God offers it to every person in this room everybody who's worshiping online but you must receive it How do you receive it? The Bible says you have to believe in your heart. If you've never done that, if all you've done is believe in your head, so did Judas. He was lost. So did the chief priests. They knew there was a Jesus. They needed to do something with him. They were very aware that Jesus was real, but they did not have a relationship with him. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe your act of thanksgiving is giving God your heart right where you are. Say, I don't know how to do that. Just, just receive him. Say, Lord, I receive you, my gift. I confess my sin and my need for you. Just tell him that. The Bible says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Is that you? Pray to God from your heart to his. There will be ministers here at the front. I'm going to ask our staff to make their way. Make their way right now to the front. We'll stand in a moment. And if you just prayed something like that or you want somebody to explain more, come to them and say, hey, I've got questions or hey, I just prayed. They'll help you with the rest. That's first base. Maybe there are some in this room, you've given God your heart, but you haven't been thanksgiving. You've been receiving. You've been pursuing everything that you want and not giving back unto the Lord. I'm not talking about a money offering. I'm talking about a surrender of your life, serving God, loving people, giving your life away. Maybe this needs to be a time where you just say, God, forgive me. God, may all that change this Thanksgiving. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv slash podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.